What's up, babes? And as the puck drops, the words that DC fans have been waiting to hear since 1974, the Washington Capitals are the 2018 Stanley Cup champions. It's not a dream. It's not a desert mirage. It's Lord Stanley, and he is coming to Washington. Welcome back to Japers Rink Radio. I'm your host, Adam Stringham, and today I'm happy to once again be joined by Kevin Klein. How are you, Kevin? I'm doing well. It's, uh, it's the Thanksgiving week edition on Japers Rink Radio. Yeah, Thanksgiving, um, and we all can be thankful for Tom Wilson returning. Yes, that's right. Even I am I'm very happy to have him back in the lineup. Um, I think he's made a pretty big difference. Maybe he's just putting all the pieces into the right place. But, Kevin, uh, what do you think? I mean, what has what Tom Wilson's return meant to the team? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that it's pretty evident, even to the casual observer, what a difference he makes um, for this team when he's in the lineup. I think that just by virtue of him being so effective on the top line, given the the skill set that he has, um, the the lineup feels a, a trickling down effect from his pre- presence that you don't really get with, with many of the other guys in this lineup. Um, and I think we've seen that a little bit, certainly in Tom's, production he's got three points in his his first three games back which is great um and and sorely needed last night right with no kuznetsov in the lineup and no uh tj oshi in the lineup and and he comes up with assists on on two big goals um and and then on top of that i think that you're seeing the team right the ship a little bit in terms of uh, possession, you know, it's still not great. But before he came back, they had a they had a rough stretch of things, uh, and the, a little bit of an upturn in those possession numbers, I believe, coincides with his return to the lineup. So, um, on top of all of the, the the qualitative stuff, you know, he creates space on the ice for a guy like Alex Ovechkin. It's a shot in the arm for the team, just emotionally getting a guy like that back. Um, it's been nothing but positive for him. Yeah, it definitely has been. Um, I think what you've kind of said that, that that's most stood out to me is uh, the production. It's it's been playoff level, well, well, even better than that. But it's it's just been all over. Um, you know, obviously it didn't take him long to stir up some controversy, right? Getting s- managing to score a goal and, and still get a penalty on the play. Uh, that, that was I thought it was a pretty ridiculous call, but it was just a very Tom Wilson thing to see, right? So oh, it was it was the brand was strong immediately on rearrival. Yeah, it didn't take long for in case the rest of the league kind of forgot what Tom Wilson was all about. So um, now uh, this is going to be there's no right answer here, but do you think Wilson's return or Kuznetsov's now absence is going to have been a bigger deal? Granted, the Capitals did win. Um, against Colorado without Evgeny Kuznetsov and with Tom Wilson. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm not going to say that Tom Wilson is more important to the team than you know, getting Kuznetsov really in, in any context. I'm not sure that that really holds up. Um, Kuznetsov, 
it, it depends, right? If it's a short-term injury for Kuznetsov and, um, you know, by all indications, I think we heard some things that they were holding him out more on a precautionary level the night he was injured. He's only missed one game so far. We haven't heard a whole lot, at least, at least I haven't, you know, I haven't been on the Twitters all that much today or anything like that. But, um, I think that Tom Wilson coming back is a, is a very big boost to this team that could potentially buoy them through a short-term Kuznetsov absence. Uh, but if Kuznetsov misses any sort of significant time, I mean, that's a, that's a major blow. That's your top line center. That's, you know, arguably the best guy on the roster in terms of, of, of all around play. And now he's a PKer as well on a, on a, on a unit that can scarcely get any worse. So, you know, if, if the team loses Kuznetsov for a handful of games or more, they're already treading water a little bit. You know, they're fortunate they're held up by a, a division that isn't exactly setting the world on fire. But, uh, yeah, there, there's no way that, that Tom Wilson's return is, is going to be a strong enough kind of uh, life raft for them to survive something like Kuznetsov at the same time. Yeah, so we're now 19 games into the capital season. They have 21 points in uh, in those 19 games, nine, seven, and three overall, uh, and they're ju- you know they're five, four, and one in their last 10. So just mediocre. I mean that, that, that's how the Capitals have been. Uh, depending on how you look at overtime losses, you know they're they're under 500. Their win percentage is below 500, uh, even though their point total is above it. So. Uh, the Capitals didn't start out of the gate last year particularly hot. Um, and obviously they did look great in the very short time where they had everybody healthy. Um, but Kevin, what are your kind of thoughts on this year's team and how they've played through their first almost 20 games this year compared to last year? Yeah, it's been a mixed bag. It's been inconsistent. Um, the thing that I keep hearkening back to is that uh, as a positive, is that we're seeing good production from the top guys. So Ovechkin, Kuznetsov, Backstrom, Carlson. You know, on any given night, it's a fair bet that you're going to get something from those guys, which is which is great. A really good sign for what should be a good team. Um, we're not seeing a lot of structure defensively. We're not seeing strong play in the defensive zone from the blue liners in particular, I think. Uh, I think it would be fair to say that uh, the defensemen have been been fine on the other end of the ice. But um, I think that a lot of the stability um, and structure that was attributed to a guy like Barry Trotz um, is missing a little bit in, in the beginning of, of this Todd Reardon era here. It's always difficult to separate... Um, you know, what do you attribute to a coach? What do you attribute to execution from the players? But at the end of the day, um, you know, accountability is rolled up to a coach. And uh, I think that it's fair to say that Todd Reardon hasn't really gotten in place the or, or gotten his guys all clicking on the same page. Uh, so there's a, obviously a tremendous amount of room for improvement. Um, fortunately, you know, they're what they're like three points out of first place, one point out of second place. Those teams happen to be Columbus, the New York Islanders, Pittsburgh's in last place. So, so the league, you know, if you look at the standings, certainly isn't representative of what you would expect. Um, and, and that's part of, that's part of early season hockey here. Um, so it hasn't been great, but frankly, they're, uh, the damage to the team 
that they've suffered on account of inconsistent play and, and play that's not up to their the, the Washington Capitals standard that we've seen more or less for the entire Ovechkin era at this point, those first couple of years notwithstanding, you know, has been mitigated by by a conference in more or less in disarray. Yeah, I gotta agree with that completely. We've seen um, just just really crappy play for most of both the Metropolitan Division and. Um, I guess for really from the Eastern Conference as a whole, I mean, even a team like uh, Tampa Bay isn't quite running away with it as much as I would have expected them to. Um, but I, I think you definitely are onto something with Barry Trotz um, and, and his system. I, I, well, I, I think, it, I mean, at this point we don't know for sure, right? Is it correlation causation? I mean, Barry Trotz was in charge of the system last year when the team was bad. Um at the beginning, rather, but and, and I guess really for most of the regular season until the Mike, Michael Kempney acquisition, and that makes me kind of want to transition into talking about Kempney because I just think he doesn't look like the same guy so far this year. I, I, I have uh, not been a huge fan of his play. Um, he, he just he looks sloppy out there. What are your thoughts? Yeah, Kempney is <clears throat> has stood out as a as a sore spot on a blue line that itself is a sore spot. Um, you know, they, they gave him a new deal. Uh, you hope that last year's performance wasn't a flash in the pan. And, uh, and if it was, Hey, it helped, it helped the team win a cup. So awesome. Um, but I think that they were banking on him to be a capable top four defenseman moving forward. You know, they kind of found a, uh, a diamond in the rough with him and that's not how it shaped out to be. Um, I, he took a headshot in the preseason, right. And, uh, and missed a little bit of time yep. and, Often we see players um, where it's like, uh, I don't know how to put it, but they're a little, the play isn't up to the standard after a headshot as before. Uh, Sort of a sense of trepidation, like like when you're scared to go back in the water after watching the shark movie, right? And... uh, and that's sort of been what it's been like for him, where he doesn't seem he doesn't seem confident, um, isn't making smart decisions with the puck. Um, yeah, I mean, I you know I don't know how to diagnose it really, but other than to say that uh, what was surprising about that acquisition was his his steadfast competence night in and night out last year, and he, and he was just able to be this this stolid presence on the blue line and this year instead he's been a liability on a blue line that desperately needs some solid play where it can get it um so yeah he's he's definitely worrisome yeah and and it's especially uh bizarre i mean you talk about his steadfastness and he was a guy who even when he was falling out of favor in chicago his underlying numbers you know his shot attempt metrics were always solid right he was he was a guy that um, you know, he, he, he was a, not necessarily an eye test acquisition as much as a, uh, stat guy acquisition in my mind. And, um, it just, it, it was all kind of no nonsense, not, not quite as good as Anton Strawman in his heyday, but you know, a player like that, he doesn't really stand out too much to the eye, but just does all the little things right. And it's just not that way at all right now. And, um, I think it is going to be interesting to see if it was, you know, uh, head injury related, you know, maybe he 
it, it just kind of he's not 100% healed maybe it's kind of like uh, Marcus Johansson Johansson jeez uh, all those years ago um, whenever he got a head injury it would felt like he came back too early sometimes and, and it wasn't quite as good and uh I think he ended up saying something like that publicly not long after. Uh, but you'd like to think that the NHL is, you know, actually cracking down about that stuff Definitely. now. You, you hate to speculate about something like that for sure. Yeah. And I feel a little bit gross doing so, but um, I think that it's fair to say that his play hasn't been up to up to snuff. Um, and on a blue, on a blue line that's been bad, he's been among the worst. And I say that anecdotally. I haven't I haven't uh, spent a lot of time with the numbers themselves, as as I've mentioned many times on this show. <sighs> I'm I'm still not at a point where I think that the numbers are particularly meaningful, even though we are certainly approaching that point of the season. So what are your thoughts uh, on other individual players that have stood out, um, especially on the back end, positively or negatively? Um, I guess the guys I really want to get your thoughts on are um, Matt Niskanen and Dmitry Orlov. Well, yeah, I, those two have been... We hold them to a very high standard. Ideally... Niskanen and Orlov are going to be your strongest um, pairing up and down the ice, and they haven't been. Um, you know, two years ago, Niskanen was absolutely stellar. He took a step back last year, in my opinion, and then this year he's sort of just been another guy on the blue, on, a, on a bad blue line contributing to its badness. Um, doesn't seem like uh, again, you know, I can't diagnose it X's and O's. Um, he just like everybody else looks kind of bad, you know, missing the puck, bad decisions, uh, losing battles. You know, I'm never going to speculate about it being like effort based or, or anything like that. But these guys just look bad, including the guys who uh, who shouldn't. And thankfully, yeah, Orlov has looked better the last couple of games, um, especially on the offensive side of things. Uh, but it's like a contagious goat rodeo on, on the back end, and, and you'd hope that. Guys like Niskin and, and Orlov, those two turned turn the uh, turn the car around or whatever. Yeah, you know we like to look back at these guys' track records and just kind of. On that Sorry, what was that? No, no problem. Uh, we like to go back and look at these guys' track records and use those as kind of solid examples of um, where we expect their play to rebound. Um, and, and I think a guy that has rebounded that you kind of talked about it is. I think Niskanen's looked a lot better this year than he did last year. Um, I, I don't think he's maybe what he what I thought he was two years ago, but he's definitely been really good. And uh, I've been really impressed by John Carlson's play, um, especially again the production um, from the back end. He's been, you know, it, it's just what you need to see when a guy gets paid that much money. Uh, defensemen are expected now to really contribute offensively, and he has. Um, and it's. You know what the Capitals kind of need because after a very very explosive first couple of weeks of the season offensively, um, they've been kind of slowing down a little bit on that front. Um, what do you, what do you think is kind of driving the overall decrease in offensive production from the Capitals? And do you think that it's um, likely to increase, or do you think that production is going to get back to where we'd expect it to be if the defensive issues get resolved? Well, they've got the skill right and. When you have this much skill, it generally results in goals. Um, you know, I haven't looked. I don't know what their PDO is. I don't know what the the shooting percentage side of that is. Um, you know, they've they've scored sixty three goals on the year, which is two more than the Islanders have scored in one fewer games played, and that's what Barry Trotz Islanders team that lost John Tavares. So you look at that and you're just like, okay, 
the Capitals have the best goal scorer of our generation, arguably of all time. I'll argue that he's the best goal scorer of all time. Um, Evgeny Kuznetsov coming into his own. John Carlson, the highest scoring D-man from, from last year and probably on pace to do that again this year, I think. Um, and check me if I'm wrong. Maybe like John Klingberg in Dallas or something like that um, is in the conversation as well. And you just got to think that that it's all going to come together. Um, a guy like Jacob Rana is going to break out. Maybe Burakovsky is going to start shipping in a little bit more than he has, which you know is basically been been a flat line down there on the on the fourth line. Um, uh, like I said, Tom Wilson's presence in the lineup seems to have helped possession. So with this level, and they, they've been floundering for much of this year p- possession wise. So if they can sort of begin getting back to, I don't know, like a, a 49% level, something that's, that resembles 50%. I think that their, their top end talent is, is the same place as it was last year. Um, if not better with Kuznetsov seemingly taking a step forward in, in his production. Yeah, I, I, I'd like to say that I really expect the offense to pick back up, but I, I think the Capitals will have to continue to do a better job just kind of maintaining... I mean, I, I, as you said, the puck possession numbers have been better since Wilson returned. Um, and I, I just think they're going to have to spend more time with the puck in the offensive zone if they're going to really be productive. Um, I, I have been encouraged from what we've seen recently from guys like Jacob Rana, even... To a lesser extent, Burakovsky, he's looked uh, more competent on, in the on the third line um, since he's been kind of back up there. And that was cool. yeah, he did. He did get one. That was that was nice to see. Um, so we'll really kind of see how it shakes out. And it looks like Morgan Riley uh, from Toronto is currently leading defenseman in points with twenty five. So. Um, oh, it's a lot. Yeah, well, twenty five points in twenty games, pretty good. Mike Green numbers. Um, even better, actually. So, um, yeah, Kevin, I mean, the, the team's definitely going to be, you know, I, I think this year's turning out to be a bit of a bigger challenge than, than many expected, uh, myself included. I didn't expect it to be a cakewalk, but, um, you know, I, I didn't think the cup hangover, and I don't really know if that is what it is, um, would, would be this profound. I, I thought they would be more regular season caps of two years ago than regular season caps of last year. Yeah, and the, the way that the season kicked off, just it seemed like they were just going to be run and gun, wide open. And I'm not even talking about just that uh, Boston game to open the season. Uh, there was a few games after that that were, that were quite high scoring. I want to say Pittsburgh was quite high scoring. Um, yep. The, uh, they scored four against Florida, um, so that was a handful of games into the season. But you know, I, I for one, this is a team that hasn't really seen its lineup in like its full lineup yet. Um, Tom Wilson was back for what one game before um, they lose T.J. Oshie to a headshot. They lose Kuznetsov to a headshot, and. And I would say that that game against Minnesota, they scored five, right? Um, that game against Winnipeg, they only scored one goal. 
but I thought they looked really good against a really good team in that in Winnipeg, right? And so I thought that those two games, you know, uh, the full game against Winnipeg and then most of the game um, again, or excuse me, the full game against Minnesota and most of the game against Winnipeg was some of the most promising hockey we have seen from this team. Um, and and on top of that, now Braden Holtby is injured, right? And so I think there are some things that you can hold on to um, for a positive outlook. Um, I think that there have been the glimmers of the, the really solid hockey team. Um, you know, how often have we talked about these guys flipping a switch in the past, right? Like, like ad nauseum. Um, I think that could definitely be the case again this year where it's like, all right, you won the cup last year. Um, you're plodding along, you, you're you're comfortably in playoff position not that they are right now but let's say let's assume that in two months they're comfortably in playoff position and then the, the playoffs start creeping around and all of a sudden we're talking about all right this team is flipping the switch the possession numbers are clicking up they're winning you know they're they're accumulating a higher percentage of the available points that are available to them i think that that could be the case with this team um and i i don't think that we should underplay the the impact of uh, some pretty significant changes on the coaching staff, right? You've got Scott Arneal back there now, and he's responsible for a penalty kill unit that has just been an absolute atrocity. I mean, I don't even know if this level of terribleness is sustainable. Um, so maybe we can uh, maybe we can expect some improvement just based on the law of averages from the penalty kill. Um, and Todd Reardon moving over to head coach duties. You know, I don't know how the team is is responding to this. Um, I don't know what it means on a, on a day-to-day level for the team. I don't know specifically what changes he's making in terms of, of how he's running practice, how he's managing egos, um, all of that type of things. And, and I don't know the details about how the X's and O's change from, from Barry Trotz to, to Todd Reardon. I do expect that it takes some time for that stuff to settle uh, and for a, a certain level of functional comfort. Uh, to to settle in, um, and I don't want to downplay that because it's it's going to be a constant relevant fact of this season. Yeah, I mean, obviously changes are, are tough both for you know you'd imagine players on the staff, um, but you know the personnel is just so similar. Uh, I guess I'm a little, I'm still a little surprised by kind of. How slow they? Start. I mean, I guess the same personnel that started slow last year, right? But, um, like for I mean, the Capitals are still ninth in the league in goals for uh, per game, but uh, you know how much? As you said, how much that's driven from the games like early in the year against Boston, again versus uh, Pittsburgh and then Florida, and you know they, they've kind of run up the score a couple games. So um, ho- hopefully, we'll kind of see a bit more. Uh, sustainability because the cap at least five on five right because the capitals have really been um kind of propped up by their 29 uh percent power play uh although i guess as you just said you could argue that it's been largely offset by their 73 percent penalty kill yeah and well this team that fits with the mold that we've seen from this team right where They've never really been a very strong possession team, at least not, you know, they've had stronger years than others. But in general, I would say it's it's been a, a subpar possession team for for much of the uh, the time when they've um, had regular season excess. And that's accounted for by top end talent um, kind of weighing shooting percentages 
in their favor and uh, and, a, and a lethal power play, right? And that has been a recipe that has worked for this team, and it worked last year for them uh, in the playoffs, which is where it didn't work for so long. So, like the the formula for victory itself, as it stands, isn't something that worries me overall, right? I've come I've come to peace with the fact that this isn't going to be a fifty four uh, like shot share team, right? And they've shown that they can win at 48, 49, even if it's, um, even if that is the exception and not the rule. But and that's certainly much more comfortable saying that on the strength of, uh, the Stanley Cup win. Yeah. Having won the cup last year. Right. Uh, and, and so it definitely feels like the stakes are lower, I think, but, um, but they've, they've certainly done it before. Um, and so if any, any team can do it with that formula again, it's them. But, you know, they weren't really – they were a good possession team at the end of last year and again in the playoffs, right? So I guess – and I know, you know, possession indic- uh, indicative of future results, but I, I just – I do believe that the Capitals are a better shooting percentage team than, you know, the rest of the league, right? I, as you said, the skill and talent really does play through. But you still – like you want to be like a 51% team or a 52% team that has the higher shooting and percentage and that has the better goaltending, right? Um, so I, I still think that we should expect this to improve, that this is not, you know, I mean, right right now the Capitals continue to play this way. And as you said, you you do expect them to, to at least per, improve in terms of, you know, point percentage. Um, it's it's not good enough to make the playoffs right now. They have to be better. Um I mean, I'd be shocked if they don't make the playoffs. Like, I, I really would be. So, um, my my yeah. pan, my panic level's literally like a one. But yeah, we we talk about about possession, but yeah. again, possession is also um, a metric derived from two different statistics. And the one that is way more alarming than the other is the amount of of shot attempts that they are allowing. Yeah, they're 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 just hemorrhaging shots against uh, at a greater rate than we've seen since. Um, uh, and I can't say the year, I guess, but uh, since, since Braden Holpe has been around, because I, I put that piece up on the site earlier this week and I looked at it and de- determined that the, the team's shot allowed rate is as great as it's been since 2012 um, at, at a minimum. So we know that that's broken. I think that if you want to fix the the possession, you know, you got to fix that. And that opens up a whole other can of worms of, well, yeah, you, you fix that by possessing the puck more on the other end. So we could talk in circles about that. But that but that's what I am looking to be solidified. Yeah, what's interesting is that the Capitals are um, 15th in terms of shots allowed per game. Again, I'm not looking at Corsi and Fenwick. I'm just – I'm on NHL.com. Yes, mock me, people who really like the stats. But, uh, yeah, they're giving up thirty, but they're giving up over thirty shots a game, which is actually most of the league right now. So this is a year where, you know, shots shots seem to be up a little bit. Um, and, and the Caps are being outshot by a margin of of only one a game. So that that's not awful, right? It feels like it should be worse uh, to me, but um, hey. well, yeah, but you know, the, what are they? They're they're one of the they've taken. I think they're towards the bottom of the league in penalties taken. Uh, and I think it's probably safe to bet that they're taking most of those penalties when they don't have the puck, and then they've got a penalty kill that can't do shit. Well, or by the bottom of the league, you mean they take the most penalties? Right. 
Yeah, they, they've traditionally been a team that's penalized a lot, um, and I've always had a bad penalty kill. The Capitals um, had that huge, I think I, I don't know if it was a Twitter thing or something we actually posted about last year, was their their penalty differential was so bad that it almost offset how good their power play was, just because they were shorthanded so often. Yeah. Um, so the Capitals currently are, and this isn't 100%, right? Oh, I guess we could do minors. They are actually the 11th most minors in the league. So, um, and there are teams that have played less than them. So, I don't know, Kevin. Maybe, maybe, uh, maybe th- th- that that will be even worse. Tom Wilson's back. I'm sure the Caps will be getting penalized much, much more over these next couple of weeks. <laughs> no doubt. I mean, I I still think that we're very much in a state of flux in the NHL, not just the Capitals. I think if you look around the league, um, you can tell that what's going on doesn't necessarily resemble what you expect to be going on once you get into February and March. Um, I'll plug my own work from from a week ago or so where I looked at how the metrics measure and and when do they start resembling more strongly where they end up, you know, uh, as evidenced by, I don't know, I think I used four or five years of data. And what really, where I start thinking, okay, this is the team, right? Now we know what this team is. doesn't really occur until 38 games into the season or so, almost when the season is halfway done. I think there's just a lot of, flux in, in this early part of the season. Um, the trade deadline is certainly uh, a tentpole event where um, a wrench can be thrown into the works for, for positive, for better. But, you know, depending on the health of TJ Oshie and Evgeny Kuznetsov and, and Braden Holtby, you know, I'm still reserving judgment and uh, and and knee-jerk reaction and and drawing conclusions until a time in which we have a, a reasonable sample where we've seen this team at full strength and, and granted like, you know, it's not a given that your team's ever going to be at full strength, but you'd certainly like to understand what that is for a baseline. Yeah, definitely. You want to see, uh, I mean, I want to see how the team performs right <laughs> with, with, with Tom Wilson in there. Um, how will the matchups change and um, can he continue this, hot streak that he had both in the playoffs and now to, to start his season. Um, but it, it's definitely going to be for, for me, the most interesting storyline, um, for the Capitals over this next uh, couple of weeks and, and heading into the holidays. So, um, thanks a lot for your time, Kevin. Sure. And I think we should give a, a shout out to, to Phoenix Copley for, uh, stepping up his game in, in the wake of the Braden Holtby injury. Uh, he's certainly outperforming, what I had expected of him based off what we saw in, I think the five games before this little stretch here um, has really given a chance, uh, the Caps a chance to win. It's been a, a prominent narrative for this team at the moment. I think we'd be remiss not to at least call that out. Yeah. Cheers for Copley. Uh, well, well done. All, all right. right. <laughs> to you and to all of our listeners. Yeah. Thank, thank you to all of our listeners for, uh, for listening to Jaybird's Drink Radio. Uh, as always, feel free to reach out to us on Twitter. You can find Kevin at Sick Unbelievable and me at Stringham A. And you can always reach out to the podcast directly at Jaber's Rink Radio. Uh, thanks again. <laughs>